Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
a teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Hi. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm so excited for my audience to hear you. You, we were just talking before we hit record and I said, you're like a warm, cozy cup of hot chocolate. You have this soothing effect on me. I hope um, that my listeners get the same kind of benefit that I do in listening to your podcast. Thank you so much. It makes me feel good to hear that you have that experience of me. Yeah, absolutely. So Kara, I think um, the important place to start would be for you to tell our audience a little bit about your family. Yeah, so I am a mom to four, to four amazing kids. And I think the reason Ashley and I became connected is because I, I have a, a child with special needs. And our particular path to special needness started back in 2011 when he was two and so that was actually what's that nine years ago now yep nine years ago and so he was diagnosed at the age of two with a brain tumor and a pretty significant and ill-placed brain tumor at that treatment options for him included surgery and uh, his particular tumor did not respond to chemo and radiation in a you know child's brain is really always a last resort. So his surgery was very successful in the regard of taking out the tumor. However, something about the brain is like, you need all of it, um, all of its ideal. And so he did have um, what would be considered a surgical stroke because his tumor was vascularly connected to his brain. And so therefore the lesser of two evils, taking out the tumor meant impacting part of his brain. So when he woke up from surgery, what we learned is that he um, essentially had had hemiplegia. So one side of his body was now no longer um, connected to his brain in the same way that it was. And he also had a visual impairment at that time. It took us about a year actually to learn that he was fully blind in his right eye. And of course, we went through a year, a year of actually patching him. Um, this is funny. We patched him for four hours a day for a year to try to, what you do is try to um, make sure that the stimulation to the, the weaker eye is stimulated so that it doesn't, the brain doesn't say, yeah, never mind. We don't even want that one anyway. Anyhow, so we essentially blinded him for four hours a day for like a year because we were trying to do everything we could to restore vision. And uh, it was, it was unfortunately what we didn't know is that he was fully blind when we like, literally, he was fully blind for four hours um, during those times because he, he, well, I shouldn't say fully, he could peek through the very cracks of the, the patches. And so the poor sweet kid, you know, we actually ended up paying someone to, to go be with him for four hours a day. Cause you know, what do you do with a three-year-old that like is blinded for four hours a day? Anyhow, that's kind of a side note, but anyhow, so he has visual impairment and he has a condition called panhypopituitarism, which means that he doesn't have a pituitary. And so uh, I like to say that he 
is on manual operation for a lot of his hormonal needs. And so he's, he's been quite well. However, because of the condition, um, there are instances where he becomes into, you know, in, in a serious health condition, uh, adrenal, adre adrenal crisis specifically. And so we've had a lot of scares. We've had a lot of scares where um, we didn't know exactly how things were going to go. And um, that's just kind of the reality of, of parenting him is managing this condition. And, and then I think lastly, um, it's uh, the behavioral impacts. So essentially, um, you know, he has frontal lobe damage, which um, for him is impacting a lot of the way he relates to people and a lot of his impulse control. And so we experience maybe similar to what a child with ADHD might, might have as far as how they operate in the world. And so that's kind of the, the, the conditions that we're parenting. And so I have the, the three other kids. So I have a, so Levi is my special needs son. He's 11. And then Kate is 13. I have another son who's eight. And then a little girl, Cambria, who is three years old. And then actually, as of yesterday, we are um, now parents to a sweet little pup named Sally. Fun. I thought you were going to tell me you were pregnant. <laughs> no, I thought I was like, oh, this is going to be suspenseful. People are going to be like, oh my gosh, she's dropping. And no, I'm not. I did an Instagram post one time, lovingly welcoming a new car. Um, uh -huh. But, and it had a picture of the car. Like I didn't think it was made to be like a birth announcement, but I didn't think people would actually think I was pregnant because it had a picture of the car. Um, and the comments were hilarious that people thought that I was pregnant and I just bought a new car. That is so funny. Yeah, no, I was actually, you know, I was laughing in my head while I was saying, I was like, oh, this, this could go really funny quickly. Okay. So a new puppy too. Yes. Oh man. So I, I'm just, I'm really curious about the pituitary thing. Um, because, um, I actually personally also have insufficient adrenal hormones. And so, um, what I, I'm wondering about him, and this is kind of off topic, but I'm, I'm curious about it, is does that look a little bit like Graves' disease or like what gets scary with him when, it get, when he has really insufficient levels? Yeah, so for him, so he since he's a, so part of not having a pituitary is we, we replace, um, would be like a antidiuretic hormone. So that's going to be the, the conditions called diabetes insipidus. It's not an actual diabetes, but essentially it tells his body how much fluid to retain or to let go of. So that one is pretty well managed if we keep his medication on point and make sure he um, has enough water and then has, I mean, basically every time we go to the store in the evening, he has to use the restroom because that's kind of when his medication's running out. So that's that. It's pretty easy to manage. I just never mind. It's not easy to manage, but we've learned how to manage it. Well, uh, and then the exactly like. right. Okay. We know the yeah. patterns that we kind of know how to, how to adjust him. Um, secondly, he has, uh, so it, it's, um, uh, hyperthyroid, hyperthyroidism. So essentially, or maybe it's hypo. I always get those confused. Anyhow, he has to take whatever it is. He has to take thyroid and that one's actually quite easy to manage. That one's like, you can figure out how much to take from a blood test. Easy peasy. Right. The okay. one that's the trickiest, I think is the one that you were referring to is so he's adrenal insufficient, meaning that for him, he doesn't create any cortisol on his own. So we've all heard of cortisol because it's the stress hormone. And so 
Uh, he takes a regular dose. So he takes um, morning, uh, afternoon, and evening. And it's just kind of like, think of it as it's available in his system when he needs it. Like, so when you become stressed emotionally, physically, or um, really just those two areas, then that's when your body just needs to kind of use those things to kind of speed things up or kind of be able to respond. So because when he's well, his body's able just to operate just as ours would be. So he needs that level that we're providing and he does well. When things get a little dicey is when he gets a fever, when he gets um, maybe vomiting or diarrhea, because uh, when his body's sick, so it's actually, it needs to respond. It actually needs to create more. And so those are our cues to give him more of this uh, hydrocortisone is actually the medication. So we give him more, a lot more, so that it's available for his body. And most of the time, it it works out okay in the sense of that his body says, okay, I've got what I need. I'm fighting whatever this, it gives it his body the cue to fight and it fights. We did get into a situation last February actually where he became really sick really fast. And because we didn't give him that, what we would call a stress dose, like that's when we, we stress dose him. He actually, um, between uh, he had toxic shock syndrome and between him not being able to respond within, I think, 12 hours, he was in like critical condition. Um, and so that was really scary. And he's, he's only had a couple times where he's gone into what's called crisis. Um, and, you know, we live like 30, 45 minutes away from our children's hospital. And sometimes that drive just seems so long. Sure. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that is... Um... That's really scary. And I think you're right. Like on a normal everyday basis, it feels probably a little like ADHD and probably contributes to that impulsivity. But um, the, you know, when it's scary because it affects other body mechanisms like temperature regulation and all of the uh, activity that you need in order to attack um, a virus or some bacteria in your body or something like that and he doesn't have that, I can imagine how scary that is. Um, gosh, that is crazy. So, and I, you know, I like to ask those questions because then it kind of helps me to make links for some of my other clients and certainly mm -hmm. for my family and that sort of thing. So um, thanks for explaining that. Goodness, that is really, um, it's interesting. I just think science is cool too. <laughs> I know things. It's funny because like you can tell like, oh, you're going to ask me about this. I will tell you all about it. I'll tell you all the details. And so it's um, sometimes hard to turn off that like, oh, I'll tell you all about it. I don't know how much people actually, I mean, I know you want to know, but sometimes I have to realize, okay, they just wanted to kind of get a general understanding. They didn't necessarily want everything. I know I do that too. I'm like, where is the boundary? But it's interesting. <laughs> I think that's kind of a nice segue into my next question because um, what what we know about you is that your experiences as Levi's mom and as the mom of a child with a special need um, has led you down a new passion path professionally. And so um, tell us a little bit about what you do professionally and how parenting him and, and then also your role as being a special needs parent has impacted your decision to start doing this coaching business. Yeah, definitely. Well, like you said, I am a coach. I'm a life coach specifically, and I coach parents of uh, special needs kids. So, and I think a lot of people hear that and they think, oh, perfect. She helps me help my child. And 
that's more what you do, right? In the sense of you're giving people skills and education um, to guiding people on how to actually better support their child. Really where I'm, the, the need I'm meeting is actually supporting the person, the whole person behind being the mom of a special needs child. And not just for the end goal of supporting the child, but actually to, to support this, this mother, the mother who is living her own individual life, both as, as woman and mom. And I came to this, I remember a very specific moment when, um, back in 2011, when Levi was still in the hospital, we were in the hospital for two months. And so we had a lot, I had a lot of time to think and, and kind of look at what, what, how is this going to go? And I had no idea how it was going to go, but I did have such a clear moment for me where it was like, you're going to use this to help people. And I think a lot of us that go through really challenging times and moments, that's, it's a gift that I think we can, uh, we get, but then also we get to give. And so I just, it was so clear for me that this was going to be the thing that kind of ignited what I was supposed to do. I was in a career that was really good at, but it was, I knew it wasn't my passion. I knew it wasn't my calling. Um, and so I just, I always knew that there was something else for me. So that really, that moment really just started the curiosity of like, okay, like, what is it? How are you going to help people? And so it actually took a couple years of just really stabilizing after the trauma of Levi's surgery. And I happened to have been pregnant at the time of his surgery. And so, you know, I was having another baby and it was, it was pretty nuts for a couple of years, but when we got on our feet again and I was able to kind of say, okay, well, what's next? I, I just kind of fell into coaching. I, I learned about what coaching was and I said, you know what, like, I want to do that. And when I, when I got into it, I said, oh my gosh, like imagine if, if we apply the work of coaching to, to, to moms, like to who, like, you know, cause of course, like I, I help people professionally as well. And I've, you know, since I've been coaching for over four years now, so I've gotten to coach a lot of different types of people in different types of places. And it's like, if we can give the, the awareness and the, the opportunities of coaching to moms, like, oh my gosh, like I just, I feel like it just will change so much like for the moms, but also for these kids, like for everybody, it's like going to change the whole family. And so that's a little bit about kind of how I got into coaching and, and how, how I feel connected to the moms that I work with. Well, and I, I love that, that you took not only just this desire to help people, but then specifically to help um, families of children that have special needs and to really kind of focus in on that subset of people. So that is, um, you, you are such an asset. And I knew that you were an asset from the first couple of times that we talked. And then I'll just share with my listeners a little bit, a little story. Kara called me and said, hey, can you help me? I'm going to do a little bit of rebranding, just some marketing work for my company. And I want to ask you these, I don't know, 10 questions or something. And I was rating things on a scale of one to 10. And just in talking to her, literally to help her business, I felt so empowered, so um, internally turned, so um, helped, like literally just helped by answering questions that were intended to help Kara with her business. So if she can do that for me, and <laughs> our, it's probably supposed to be an hour phone call. It was like an hour and a half. Um, then I, you know, I can only imagine the impact that you have with your, um, with your clients. Well, thank you for that. And what's interesting about that is, um, not to diminish what I do in the sense of like, you know, how I work with someone, but something to remember, like when I early, early in my coaching years, um, when I was first being trained, it was like, 
recognizing the value of somebody just listening to you for an hour, right? So this is really recognizing like that we don't actually get the opportunity just to be listened to for an hour. Um, in this case, I work with my clients usually an hour. And and that's probably what you got to experience, just being get, getting to process your thoughts and having it not to be, um, I mean, yeah, in this case, it was serving me because I was getting to hear your thoughts, but just to be able to process and to be with yourself and to not have to change anything or do anything different or perform or anything like that. So thanks for sharing that story. I didn't, I didn't know that. Well, yeah, I'm happy to. And you know, that is what we're talking about today. We're talking about parent wellness um, and how to be well. And I know that you want to approach it from mind, body, and spirit, which I think is really beautiful. Um, and I actually do a lot of reading about holistic medicine, functional medicine, integrative practice, um, because that has really worked for my family um, in addition to Western medicine also. But um, this is something that I like to read about, I like to talk about. And I, I always think it's interesting to see how that kind of matches up with your profession. So, you know, you approach mind, body, and spirit from a coaching standpoint, not from a medical professional standpoint. Um, and it's, so it's interesting to me that those concepts can go from industry to industry and still be really, really impactful. Um, so I want to, I do want to switch gears a little bit and talk about that parent wellness piece within this subset of people that are raising children with special needs, because I think you're right what you just said in that, um, even just not only feeling heard and feeling like somebody wants to hear us, but then also feeling relevant. Like you were just talking about Levi's diagnosis and said, I don't know that anybody really wants all of those details. Um, and so I think that we do feel this balance, just as one example, we feel this balance of a need to be um, true to ourselves and say what we need to say in order to emote, um, but then also to be a good enough friend and not just completely dump on everybody all the time. Mm -hmm. um, my friend, I, I have one friend that says that I need a dump truck. I need somebody that I can just call and dump stuff on. And she's always like, I'll be your dump truck. Just and I'll sit on the steps of the pool with you and you tell me whatever you need to tell me. Um, and so I think that that's a really important, just one example of something that's important for us as parents of kids with special needs to have. Um, but then from a coaching standpoint, you not only listen to it and give us the place to emote, but then also just as importantly, provide strategies. And so I know that one of your strategies or one of your kind of comprehensive goals is to approach it from the mind, body, and spirit perspective. So um, let's, can we start with body and work our way through? Yeah, we'll start with body. And uh, before I get into that, I'll give a little perspective of why I approach it that way, or even just why I'm, I'm, I'm looking through the lens of mind, body, and spirit. And I think, you know, you talked about earlier when you were kind of introing, I was thinking about, well, how, how did I come up with this little three system? I mean, of course it makes sense, but I remember to when I, it was actually when I, when Levi was in the hospital and I was pregnant and I was getting migraine after migraine. And so I couldn't take any medication. And I was just like, I cannot do this while I'm getting all these migraines. Like I just can't, I can't do it all. 
anyhow, it was the first, and, and so I started seeing an acupuncturist. So it was the first introduction I had to, so she would talk to me um, in our sessions just about what was happening in my body and kind of, and not for her, I mean, she was an actual acupuncturist, not a therapist, but I, I feel like it was therapy for me because I was getting to understand what my body was doing in response to my circumstance, to what what was happening all around me with what I was processing, that it wasn't just a physical experience of like having a hard time sleeping at the hospital and being pregnant, that actually my, my body was responding to the emotional load of what I was experiencing. And that's kind of one of the things I, I just am constantly, like you were saying, it's fascinating. I'm constantly blown away with the connections that our bodies and our minds and our spirits have to one another that you cannot just look at one and and call it a day like it, you really have to look at them integrated or in an integrated way and and the, there's just so much opportunity to learn from from each of the aspects of of this mind body and spirit when we do and so well, let's look at the body first and so let me give you an example of, I have migraines too, um, but yesterday I had that exact experience. So it wasn't a migraine. Yesterday I was grouchy. I was like distracted, which I rarely am. Um, and I was just grouchy. I was like in a funk. And um, so I have four compression fractures in my back, like a really um, significant back injury. I was in an explosion when I was a kid, which is probably a story for another podcast. But yeah. anyway, um, I, so one of the things that I do, and I have this super uptight, um, not uptight, type A personality. Yeah. <laughs> go, 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 go. Big, you know, completely overachieving at everything. That's just kind of my nature. And I don't give myself a whole lot of grace. It's like my number one goal. I hope grace comes out on the outside, but it is not on the inside. I'm constantly telling myself to do more, do better. Um, and so one of the things that I do to compensate for the weakness in my back and then also like just my kind of like kind of feeling inside is I have super tight core muscles, like too tight, not mm -hmm. a good kind of tight. And not so like rock hard, but, uh, but actually just tension. <laughs> way deep down in there. I mean, you have, you would have to like, it would, you would need several scalpels to get in to see them, but yes, I assume they're rock hard. So my physical therapist has me do this thing where I just put my tailbone up on a yoga block and I sit there. Well, yesterday, and I'm lying down prone on my back. And yesterday I thought, oh, I'm so grouchy. I just need to lie down for a second. I'll get my yoga block and see, you know, I wasn't even really thinking, see if that helps. It was just like, I'm going to lie down for a second and reset. And if I'm lying down, I may as well get on my yoga block. And what was really interesting to me was my up near my ribs, um, I was so tight that I could barely touch my stomach. And then, so I got, I just touched it. I barely, I didn't massage it. I just touched it and it kind of gave way, started feeling better. So I worked my way down to like my mid abdomen. These are technical terms. And then down like by my hip bones. And each time I would move down a little bit, it hurt so bad. I honestly felt sick to my stomach and then it would release and I would feel better and then work my way down. And I don't know if there's a physical therapy substantiation for what I'm talking about, but I was so weirded out by it. Like I could feel the muscle relax. So I'm supposed to lay there for 15 minutes on this yoga block and I did. And by the time I was done, I could like push all over my abdomen, completely relaxed. It felt so much better. I got off of that yoga block and I cannot tell you, it was like I was a different person. I was happy. 
I got so much more done last night. I was able, I don't watch TV well, cause I'm not really, honestly, I don't have to watch TV. Watch I watched TV an entire well. show and I stayed awake, which usually if I try, I fall asleep. Um, and it was so fascinating because I had taken time for my body, which I didn't even know I needed. And then my mind was there. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it's so connected, right? Like it's like, sometimes it's like when we actually, if we have that actual physical pain coming from our body, then, I mean, there could be, um, obviously for you, it sounds like it comes from a place of like, you know, you have an injury that you're working with, but some of us actually, what happens is it goes the other way around, right? We actually have, um, feelings. So feel, this was like news to me a couple of years ago is that feelings we actually experience in our body. And it doesn't sound like rocket science when I say it now, but it really actually is not something that I think we're present to. We're not really taught that you actually feel feelings in your body. So the, the different sensations that come up in your body, those are feelings, emotions. We don't feel them in our head. We actually experience them in our whole being. And so one of the things I mean, we'll kind of talk about the body is that, you know, especially as parents um, of these kids that have extraordinary needs, we uh, come across stresses, stressors every day, all day. I mean, all parents do, all I think humans do, but I think in, in some cases we have a, a little extra load. And so we have these stresses uh, every day. So, you know, for me, when I get um, calls from the school of a, a behavior that my son's doing that for me is a big stressor. And I respond very quickly physically. I can feel that in my body of how I physically respond to what I perceive as a problem. And so we have these things coming at us every day. And so really, I think the thing that I want people to take away for what they can do for their body is to allow their body to experience a complete stress cycle. So that these things are coming at us from a, like, they're just coming. And so like, we're kind of defending against them all day. We need to give ourselves an opportunity to kind of go on the offense and to process them all the way through. Practically speaking, this can look like a physical exertion. So something like yoga or running or walking um, and just allowing your body to like physically process it, to pay attention to what's happening in your body so that it can complete the cycle and it doesn't stay stuck. The here, the point here is that we don't want to just ignore these things happening because what happens when they stay stuck in our body, maybe like what you were experiencing yesterday, is it just kind of stops up everything. And then we start to be really grouchy. We start to have actually then like other reactions physically and emotionally to what we've kind of stuffed up and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And, and really like from a scientific standpoint can cause really significant problems uh, from health, like between cancer, heart conditions, uh, a lot of different conditions are, are scientifically proven to be able to be related to holding up this energy. So that's what I really want to people to take away is just recognizing that it's so easy to, um, to build it up really big. We have to do like a marathon every, every day to, to do something for our body. This can look like uh, a stroll, like it, it can look like actually getting up out of your chair and sitting back down, like actually just physically moving your body to move your state, to allow yourself to kind of move your state of being. It can look like a walk around the, like a, a rock. Um, I'm looking forward to doing that with a new pup. And, um, 
even something as simple as just tensing intentionally tensing up all your body and then letting it go. So those are all just really, really simple, practical things. You can do them lying in your bed. They, some of them take 30 seconds. So I really want people to take away that it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be grandiose, but giving a voice to your body and to allowing it to kind of process it is just, is so valuable and so important. Yeah. I, I think that's really valuable insight. Um, and something else that I've learned in moving my body is that, um, there's a detox strategy, there's a de chemical detox that happens if you allow yourself to sweat. And so, yeah, I completely agree. Like it, I stand up at my desk and do inversions a lot. I'll just do a downward dog for like a minute and a half, or I literally just do a forward fold, hold my elbows, sway back and forth for a second. And the act of the inversion will improve my mood, give me a little bit more energy, that kind of three o'clock slump. That way I don't go get another iced tea. Um, <laughs> And it used to be Coke. And so I'm iced tea is an improvement, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, you know, that helps me. But if I allow myself to sweat, and I did learn this from my integrative doctor, if I allow myself to sweat, it actually detoxes some of the toxins, chemicals, whatever's in my body and just normal waste. Um, and I actually feel so significantly much better if I do that. Um, and same thing as what you were saying, I don't have to do it, you know, I don't have to run a marathon. In fact, I shouldn't run a marathon because I have compression fractures. Um, and sometimes it does get tricky, but the secret is being intuitive about it and knowing I need to move every single day. I need to sweat a second. And like you said, even if it's mopping the floor, sadly, that makes me sweat, but <laughs> I'm moving, I'm doing something else. <laughs> uh, I'm glad to hear other people like to like really get into their house cleaning like that. Like, you know, I figure if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it like fast and good and with some music and all that. Okay. Uh, no. And I, I think you brought up a really great things for me. Like for me, uh, what this looks like is I run twice a week. I don't run every day. It just doesn't fit in with everything I have going on. But for me, if I run at least two times a week, it allows that my body to really process during that time. And then during the other days, I'm able to do little things here and there that kind of allow me the same thing for me. And not it's, the thing is, not everybody is going to be the same in this. And I know that's something I really just want to emphasize that you might go try something and you might be like, that did not make a difference. That's okay. Keep trying things. Do not stop when it comes to figuring out different ways to move your body that work for you. Because um, like we, both of us, it sounds like the physical outlet of, of heavily, like, exerting exercise it for me it allows my mind to shut off to where my body can just process and it feels so good to me um and and usually that knowing how good that feels can 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 get me over the hump of not wanting to go out in the cold morning but sometimes i'm still like i don't want to go i don't want to go um but i know that after that i'm like i always feel better i can i can get myself out the door yeah that's I think it's really important. So that's body. Um, what about our mind? What, how does your mind play into this? Well, I mean, our, our minds really, um, they obviously are, are, I don't want to say they're the thing because it is mind, body, and spirit, right? But our minds are what are going to be the thing that I want to consider that we need to, we clean our bodies every day we feel our bodies every day, but we don't necessarily take care of our minds. 
And so I want people to consider here of like literally washing your mind out every day. And I want to give a, a little practical, actual, um, tangible thing to do here. And it's what I call a thought download. So it's literally getting a piece of paper out and a pen and putting all the thoughts that you have swirling around in your head onto paper. And I mean, I can't tell you how many moms I talk to that feel so overwhelmed, so stuck, so um, just feeling like they cannot catch their breath. One of the reasons, uh, I mean, there's a lot of different reasons, but one of them is that we allow that these thoughts to be undistinguished and to float around and swirl in our mind. And then we expect ourselves to hold them all day. And so I can't tell you how much one energy that takes. So it takes a lot of energy to hold those thoughts up there and to allow them to swirl around. And so the process of actually getting them on paper allows us to like stop the swirl, first of all, but then it allows us to actually take a look at them and to maybe analyze them a little bit and say, huh, like I've been thinking, like for me, like there's this, um, I got a gift for somebody that, um, I'm, and yeah, I got a gift for somebody that I'm, it's going to be going to a, a different family that I don't know the people and I need to wrap it. And it's sitting on my dresser. And every time I've been walking by it, I'm like, I got to wrap that gift. I got to wrap that gift. And for me, it's very silly. Cause I'm like, it's actually a very small thing. It probably take me five minutes to do it, but I've allowed that to swirl in my head and to be one of the things that is telling me like, oh my gosh, you definitely don't have enough time. You don't got this. You should probably panic. <laughs> and so this morning, actually, I, I, during my thought download, I do this almost every morning. Um, I wrote all the things down that were swirling in my head that I thought that I had to do that were really important. And when I wrote them down, I could then decide, okay, I don't need to worry about that thing every time I pass it. I know exactly, I decided exactly when I'm going to wrap it and I don't need to worry about it anymore. So it can kind of go from you being kind of the victim of all these thoughts swirling around to you kind of turning and being able to say, okay, like I am the thinker of these thoughts. I can decide to keep thinking them. I can let them be. Uh, I can get curious about them or I can just actually dismiss them. Say, okay, job done. I don't need to work. I don't need to keep thinking you like you're good. I release you. Ah, man, that's so good. That is like, that's, that is, you're right. That's tangible. Cause I know that strategy and that I actually have to do that because um, with, with my adrenal stuff, clinically I have ADHD. I don't really think I, I think I have enough strategies that like executive planning strategies, but that what you're saying is an executive planning strategy. Um, the way I describe it, because I always talk about this kind of in jest with other moms. And I say, you know, when you have something like on a windowsill or on a, on your buffet and your living room and it sits there and it almost becomes part of the decor. Yeah. Like wallpaper. So like, yeah. Yeah. Like Jack, we had to take his door doorknob off because he was locking us out too much and it was just getting irritating to argue. <laughs> like natural consequences, take off your doorknob. But now it's sitting on my dresser and it's probably been there for three months. Like it is part of the decor. I need to put it in a drawer where I will remember where it is, but I don't, I like pick it up and dust underneath it. It's part of the, the decor. So the thoughts become part of the decor though. Like yeah. I need to wrap that present becomes part of the decor inside my brain. And my brain doesn't need to think about that at three o'clock in the morning. And as the thinker of those thoughts, I could take the thought, extract it, put it on paper. And that takes it out of my brain. Yeah. And I love that example you gave of the doorknob for sure. And yeah, exactly. And I think, um, 
it's just the first step in allowing us to, to so the, the, the mind and renewing the mind. So we're, I mean, this process is kind of what I called washing the mind. But I think then also like then we can, once we do this, once we kind of get these thoughts on paper, we can look at them and let them be just what they are, thoughts that we're having. And then we can start to see if we want to keep thinking those particular thoughts, if those thoughts are serving us. Because a lot of times, if we're really honest with ourselves when we do this thought download, when I do this, I mean, I come up with all the things like you're not enough, uh, you don't got this. Um, I mean, all these thoughts that, you know, come up over and over and over again, that when I can look at them, I say, you know, that's really not true. Yes, my brain wants me to think that because if I believe that, then I'll definitely not step out and, and to step up into doing things that scare me a little bit. And so I can look at them and say, okay, brain, thank you for that. I appreciate that thought, but I don't actually think that that's true. So it's like our thoughts, we don't have to accept them as truth. And that's the thing that we get to do when we look at them and we get to renew our mind and to think thoughts that are, are lovely and noble and pure and all the things that actually fuel us into feeling a different way. Because here's the thing is actually, if we want to feel better, the opportunity we have is to think better thoughts to think different thoughts that have us feeling a different way. So if we're feeling really poorly all the time, if you analyze, if you do this thought download and you look at your thoughts, you're going to know exactly why. You're going to look at these thoughts and think, wow, no wonder why I feel this way, whether it's overwhelmed, not enough, scared, guilty, whatever, whatever it is the feeling that you're having uh, more commonly, you're going to know exactly why. Yeah. That, and, and that is really powerful information to put in your toolkit of yourself, because then you are in control of it and you aren't fighting with your mind. I love that. That's yeah, that's exactly. I love how you like you're in control of it. So this is the thing that has a shift from being a victim to actually being able to be responsible or to add a cause of our life, right? So instead of having life happen to you, which is what happened, like what feels like a lot, especially when, for instance, we're, we're given a child that has these needs that we didn't necessarily ask for, it feels like it's happening to you. And so when you do the work of creating this awareness around what you're thinking, uh, you, you get to then kind of turn it and actually be able to be responsible for how you're going to think and what you're going to choose to believe about whatever the thing is that you're you're up against right and I think it takes the involuntary part out of it so you know so many times we think something and think oh I'm a terrible person why did I think that or why did I think about myself before I thought of somebody else or where did this judgment come from but if you allow yourself to actually think it and then you put it down and process it later you can be more intentional about the way that you address it which is makes you feel better as a human and, and certainly would bring you a lot of peace. That's really great. Yeah. And I want to emphasize that last point that you just made. It's really, that's a really, really great point. You said something about, um, well, what I took from it is like a lot of times what we do is we have these thoughts that we don't like. And so we start judging these thoughts and that judgment is what really stops the whole process. So we judge them like, so say for instance, you're having a particular a hard time with your child. And so you have a thought that you don't like about your child in the sense of like, um, I wish my child would go away. I mean, I don't know, but I know that when you're up against situations that don't seem like they're changing, your brain tries to solve that problem and figure out how to fix it. And it's like, if the child's causing the stress or you think that's what's causing the stress, you're going to think about how to get rid of that. 
And that doesn't, I know for me, it does not feel good as a mom to think those kind of thoughts about my child. And it's really even hard to be honest about those thoughts. And I think a lot of moms are like, I don't even want to admit what I've thought about my child. And so what we do is we judge those. And when we put them in that judgment category, it just completely stuck, sticks us up. And really that's when we kind of feel very stuck and it, um, it just kind of brings us down a road that, that is not very helpful um, because those thoughts typically don't go away. Well, and I think also, um, and I do want to move on, but I think also it allows you time, like you can institute a plan for dealing with that thought. So if you go about it that deliberately, then you can say, okay, I'm feeling this. And it might take me three years to formulate a plan to feel differently or to address that thought and to give it the right amount of time. But it is, um, here's my plan. Here's how I'm going to address this. You know, maybe I'm going to get a coach or a therapist, or maybe I'm going to kind of see if I can put this over into the mind category or the body category. And like, can I, can I process this while I'm running or while I'm vacuuming that kind of thing, but you have a plan for it. And if you don't have a plan, then you can't, that's why I love that you said it was tangible because then you have a plan and you can manipulate it and, and touch it and put it on a shelf if you need to and all of that stuff. So that's great. Let's move on to spirit because that's a super um, important component as well. Yeah, definitely. And for spirit category, I'm kind of looking at this in, in like adding relationship to this category. Cause for me, my, my faith background is I'm Christian. So for me, spirit is a very, it's a relationship and so I think that's like the leading relationship I have. And so for me, um, everyone's going to have a different faith background, but I think the idea of relating to somebody or some being outside of yourself that, that has you covered, like recognizing that we ultimately don't have control. Um, and for me, I find a lot of peace in believing that somebody else does. So that's what my faith background teaches. And so I think allowing yourself to like not have to be in control and to just surrendering that you are not there's a lot of value to that and it's it's something that sounds so obvious right but I think it's like we all start to believe that we do have control or even right now with the pandemic right everyone's like oh my gosh like the world's all it's we're uncertain it's uncertain well the actual fact is it was never certain so the reason it's so stressful is we think it should be certain, but it's not, but the, it's not certain. We, nobody is certain about what's going to happen tomorrow. And so it's like, it twists our mind around because when we think it is supposed to be certain and it's not, it just twists us up. So I think it's like with the spiritual part is really just kind of opening up to, for me, opening up to that relationship of, okay, well, I thought things were supposed to be a certain way and they're not. So how can I accept that as a human and really kind of lean into like, okay, I, I don't know, but I do know that it's good. And I do know fundamentally, and I do know that fundamentally that I'm whole as I am, I'm made perfect as a human. And, oh, and, and so is my son, like he's actually exactly how he is supposed to be. And so for me, like I put that in the spirit category because I think it's like accepting what is. So it's like, we're not resisting so much against that. You know, so I tell Jack every single night, you are everything I ordered from God because I want him to know that, it, I mean, he hears us talking about 
um, coping and about struggles that he has. And, you know, that's a part of his everyday life. It's a part of our everyday life. We have to communicate about his behavior between his two parents and caregivers and whatnot. And I want him to know that I asked God for a healthy, um, probably vainly handsome, sweet, funny, um, energetic little boy that likes the pool. And that's what I got. Um, and the other parts, those struggling parts are part of him. And I love every single cell in his body, even with those extra chromosomes. And I love those extra chromosomes somewhat the most because of um, the joy that raising him with Down syndrome has brought to me. Um, so every night I tell him that he's everything I ordered from God. I also tell him I'm happy that God gave him to me because I remember I had a moment um, where I had just told my entire extended family that I was pregnant and um, I then had a little bit of a scare. And I remember literally talking to God, not even really as a prayer, but like talking out loud and saying, whoever this baby is, I want this baby. I, I kind of felt then um, and I really didn't think about it the other 30 weeks or whatever, but um, I kind of felt then like, oh, this baby is is going to probably be different than my older son. And I want this baby. I am committed right now. It took me a second to get pregnant with him. And I want this guy right here. Um, and I think I kind of tapped into that joy and the the, the identity, frankly, that I was going to have as a mom of a child with a disability. And I don't think he has to be my identity. I am a great many things. I am a girl and a sister and a um, whatever else I am. I'm a, a crazy lady at the pool that mm -hmm. goes off the diving board to embarrass the middle schoolers. I'm, you know, a thousand different things. But I also take pride in my identity as an advocate for him and, um, you know, kind of like the, the Jack interpreter. Um, and so there's also a connection. What I'm getting at here is for me, at least there's a connection to my spiritual world that is specifically linked to Jack. And it comes for me almost in this kind of pride, this joyful pride um, that's really gratitude, which seems really backwards, you know? So there's a cyclical um, spirit component, I think for a lot of us too. Yeah, no, I mean, I completely relate to having, um, like my special needs child be the, the tool that I believe God used to significantly refine me and in, in so many ways. And I mean, he probably would come up with another way had I not had this child. However, I think it's like, we can both hold having these children, something that we are so grateful for, but that doesn't mean it's not hard. And so I think sometimes it's like we have a, we collapse that like, just because something is wonderful, that it's not all wonderful. And so I think that that has been part of my, my spiritual journey is recognizing um, that I can be both grateful for what God has given me, but that doesn't mean I don't also grieve what he's given me and what he's, uh, and some of the challenges that my son endures and therefore also I endure. And so I think it's like really like, so for the spiritual component here, I think it's like uh, really just opening up to an honesty that allows for both the, this is a wonderful, but this is also really hard. 
And I think, you know, earlier I said that, you know, in this category, I also put relationships and it's like finding relationships. You mentioned this earlier too, of people that you can just download with and to be fully connected with, and that can hold that space for you to be you and to not have to do that filtering that we do just as, as people in, in our cultural society. And so that's an area here where, where I think I want people to lean into actually, um, being intentional and creating those relationships, um, both to be that friend, but then also to, to, to find those friends and to seek those out and to create them on purpose. Well, and that's why your business and your podcast and the work that you're doing is so important because if people feel isolated and feel like they aren't finding that group of people, you are a wonderful landing place where people can start to establish that relationship at whatever level they want to. So Kira, this has been so incredibly helpful. I've learned a lot. I'm certain that my listeners have also. Um, I want for them to be able to find you. So tell us about all the places where we can find you. Yeah, well, I'd love to connect with any of your listeners as well. This has been such a pleasure. And the best way to connect with me probably is on Instagram. And I'm at at Kara Riska. And it's K-A-R-A-R-Y-S-K-A. And then my website's also a great resource. And it's uh, same thing. I wasn't very creative. It's uh, www.karariska.com. I guess I don't have to say the www anymore. That's probably pretty obvious. I, I think I do it too. And then the name of your podcast Oh, I should probably mention that. Thank you for that. So yeah, so I think Ashley mentioned earlier, I have a podcast myself, and it's called the special needs mom podcast. And it's where I do a combination of uh, solo episodes where we're just having kind of conversations very much like these, except for one sided. And but I'm also doing interviews and and conversations with moms really, um, kind of having it be those types of relationships that consider that it's almost like, you're sitting at the coffee shop and you're getting to just listen into a conversation between two moms. And where my intention is that moms feel connected, they feel supported, they feel inspired um, to the life that they can have as moms and that they have the confidence that they can be the moms that they want to be for these children. And it's great. It is wonderful. So thank you so much for being here. Um, I hope you'll come back on and talk about a similar topic sometime soon. Yeah, it would be my pleasure.